the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Gentlemen. Mr. P, how are you? I'm doing quite well, sir. How are you? Dude, I'm doing good, man. Uh, the last, you know, we've hung out a little bit since since I've been gone, but those last two weeks... Since you've been gone! Where have you been? Tell tell the world. Man, I've been in San Marcos, but fuck that for one second. I'll get there. Um, man, I, uh, I missed you guys, hanging out every week with you, with Justin. Um, you know, we started this as not really a goof. We, we were a little serious, but just started to see what the fuck would happen. And uh, this has actually turned into something I really enjoy hanging out and doing with you guys. It so. does feel like something's been missing the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so uh, thanks for being here. Uh, dude, everybody who listens, thank you guys so fucking much for hanging out. Uh, being on the road, I got to hear from a lot of friends. I meet a lot of people who say they listen to us, which I, I thank you guys so much. I think you're fucking crazy for doing it. But man, it's good to be fucking back. So so thanks for asking. Agreed. Cheers. Um, I don't have a drink. You Cheers. don't have a drink. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers hey, imaginary drink. Sacrifice September. We uh, just closed out Sacrifice September. Um, Nick will tell you what he did in a second. I actually uh, sober the entire September. I intermittent fasting noon through eight every day, mainly very selective about what I ate. Um, a few days, I always I gave myself a few days, and I fasted once a week uh, for 24 hours. Um, pretty good. Justin, did you do anything for Sacrifice September? Not really. Just continued physical therapy. we're gonna catch up with i do want to ask about your knee nick what did you do well i'm a fan of of diets of dieting diet and lifestyle and health and fitness right yeah uh you listen to the rogan podcast you've Uh, heard you've heard a number of people reference the carnivore diet yes and so since uh gosh is it james baker is that the right name I can't. O- older yeah. gentleman. It was a first guest on a show who talked about uh, talked about the carnivore diet, and he had been on it for like a year and a, and a half or something like that. But uh, him and Jordan Peterson and Michaela Peterson, they all talked about this this diet and how great it is. And uh, Chris Bell is a filmmaker who uh, the first movie he made was Bigger, Faster, Stronger. It's a movie all about uh, steroids. Okay, he's another. Uh, him and his brother are both people I've seen on social media raving about the carnivore diet and. Uh, and uh, uh, someone that uh, used to train with at another gym back in Utah, he did 100 days of steak, which was his carnivore diet. So I had just heard enough people talk about it that I wanted to, to try it out. So the month of September, I uh, I ate meat all month. Dude, you sent me a fucking picture. Justin, did you see this picture of meat? No. That he, dude, I, it is a plate of meat. I'm not usually one who <laughs> photographs my food, but it was just getting so ridiculous. Because I, I honestly, I felt hungry. For the first two and a half weeks, I was just hungry all the time, and the more that I read about it, the more I decided, well, maybe I'm just not eating enough meat. And so I was. <laughs> this was my <laughs> routine: as I would leave home or I'd leave work on my way home, I'd stop by Sprouts or Whole Foods or whatever. And first, I was just getting ground beef because it was something that was easy to cook quickly while I cooked a steak. <laughs> 
which took a little bit longer. <laughs> what do you have for an appetizer? Yeah. Ground beef. Yeah, it, sounds, it sounds funny, right? But then it started to be beef and bacon because I just needed something to, that tasted different. I was the, about to ask, did you sprinkle bacon on top? No, I started doing <laughs> bacon. I do half a package of bacon and like between a half pound and a pound of ground beef. For a meal. That's the appetizer. <laughs> Leading up to like uh, and a shot of main a, gravy, a pound to a pound and a half of, of steak after that. But dude, let me tell you about reverse searing a steak and why it's the best. Wait, hold on, hold on. I, I want that back in one second. So you were eating like fucking between, four pounds between of two, two and four pounds of meat, yeah, a day. Yeah. How's your poop? Uh, surprisingly uh, normal. I was very regular, so yeah. pooped once a morning, like no- normal schedule. But uh, I thought it was going to be like hard and angry because it's <laughs> protein, you know. But it was soup, like just it was all pretty normal. It was very. We're going to talk about shit for a second, I guess. Yeah, was, apparently <laughs> th- there wasn't a large volume of it. It was less than I expected, and um, it was just really dark. But I would than, expect other like than that it was pretty normal. Angry is a good word. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I really expect to sit there and be mad at I, myself. I really <laughs> thought I was going to have belly aches and stuff from just hard poops moving through my guts. Yeah. But honestly, it's it's the quietest my guts have ever been, and um, it was uh, yeah the the smallest that my my stools have ever been. Also, are you will you would you do it again? I don't think so. I don't uh, may, maybe maybe for a few weeks at a time. But I don't think I would ever do it as a as a long term diet. So the thing that really sold me on trying it is people refer to it as an elimination diet, meaning you're going to eliminate everything out of what you're putting in your body that could be a potential allergen, right? So if I'm allergic to dairy, if I'm allergic to what whatever it is, I'm not taking that in because I'm only eating meat and water. And so anything that um, you know uh, fiber or different things in uh, there are all these crazy little toxins in plants that people debate whether or not they're good for you and uh, the smartest people seem to say that they're still good for you in the same way that uh, like it, that it stresses your uh, metabolic system to a small extent just like exercise stresses your body just like uh, you know anything that you've heard about like heat shock proteins or cold shock proteins from sauna or um, ice bass cryo all that stuff those things benefit your body because they're mild stressors and that these toxins and plants actually benefit your, your body and your digestive system because they're, because they're small stressors. But, um, so I might do it just because it made my stomach feel so good. And two, two weeks into the diet, I was down five pounds and I was worried that I was going to get super skinny because I had heard, uh, a lot of people talk about the weight that they lose on the carnivore diet. And then I weighed myself today and I gained back, the five that I lost plus <laughs> another seven. <laughs> oh but my God. I don't feel, I don't think that I look, I don't know. I, don't, I feel pretty normal. Uh, maybe I'm slightly less, uh, what's the word? What's the proper word for shredded? Defined? Shredded. I'm, sli- I'm slightly less shredded than, than what I would normally yeah. see in the mirror. But um, it's a really, really, really weird adjustment. It's really uh, different energetically. Like the best way I've described it is, uh, like you know when you're drinking out of a like a a soda straw, you're drinking out of your cup, and you hit the very end, and that noise that you hear when you run out of fluid, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's how my energy levels felt for the first two weeks of where it just all of a sudden it was like hitting a wall, like I was about to fall over, of like I'd have to sit down for a second, and it wasn't like like if I was exercising, it wasn't like that. Like if I was in like in the middle of a regular workout, I felt pretty normal, but it was just like if I'm sitting down and I stand up, like I would just get 
not quite the same feeling as as getting up too fast and being lightheaded, but just getting up too fast and being like, God, this I'm I'm all out. And that lasted for a couple of weeks and then um I guess that makes sense. It's kind of like starting an extreme version of keto, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's a. It was. It's comparable. Yeah. yeah. Like when I when I started doing a keto diet, I I would say that I had what people describe as the keto flu. If I felt sick, I mm-hmm. felt like shit in a different way, and was pretty frustrated too because I didn't have a good plan when I started doing a keto diet. Of like, I didn't know what I was going to eat. I just knew I was supposed to eat a lot of fat and moderate protein and no carbs. So. I could imagine that diet, but I'd go to the store and just like have an emotional breakdown because I didn't know what to buy. <laughs> With this, I knew for sure what was on the menu. It's like, is it meat? Yep. <laughs> Eat that. But it was mostly red meat. I, I had chicken only twice, but like I started out with all this crazy shit. Like I did uh, alligator sausages and wild boar and goat and lamb. Like that was the first week. And I was. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, but then it just uh, beef was just easier to to find, and uh, I got really good at cooking a steak. So sous vide. So I haven't done the sous vide. Um, no, no, no. Reverse reverse searing, searing has, has been my jam. Yeah. So I started buying these boneless chuck roasts that are probably like eh, three inches thick or so, and they're marbled really well. So I'd cut that in half, and then I take the inch and a half bit. And put it in the oven for about an hour and ten minutes or so. I think the the general rule is forty five minutes per inch thick of, of steak. But don't you just... hold your fingers that far apart when you say <laughs> inch, please. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, then I do two hundred seventy five degrees for yeah about an hour and ten minutes. Take it out, let it rest for about ten minutes, and then do sixty to sixty to ninety seconds on each side to just sear the shit out of it in a in a super hot pan. Just to put that crispy texture on yeah. the outside, and oh my god, it was super good. <laughs> I was I would look the pictures that I showed you on my phone. Yeah. I would just catch myself fantasizing about going home and eating more steak. So I have a hard time. First of all, the idea seems phenomenal. I've seen it all over the place. I'm down. I'm in. But when Val and I bring steaks home, all we bring is filet mignon, and I can grill the shit out of beef. You've you've had food I've cooked. It's something I'm really good at as a grill. And when we make that steak, I'm like. I don't want to experiment with this. I know how to cook this good. Mm-hmm. So I, I just got to man up and buy something that I am willing to experiment with. So what did you use? Uh, boneless chuck roast is boneless what I found. Yeah, so... Um, Give it a try. I, I was trying... like So I, I was eating grass-fed beef all month, and it's kind of expensive compared to, you know, if you just go to H-E-B and you get whatever beef they have. The hib. Yeah, but so so most of the grass-fed stuff is starting at like thirteen ninety nine a pound and up. And uh, I was just looking through the, the case at, uh, at the Whole Foods, and I asked the butcher, like, hey, why is this less? And he's like, I was like, is this going to be super tough? Like, what's up with this? And this stuff is eight ninety nine a pound for these uh, boneless chuck sh- beef short ribs. And uh, he's like, no, we, we call this the butcher's cut. Like, this meat is really really good it's just inexpensive because there's a lot of it and not many people buy it it's like okay cool how do i make it and this is where i learned about reverse searing and he, he told me about it so then i started doing that with the the boneless uh ribs and then that's where i moved to the roast too just to just to try it out and oh my god it's so good i'm getting super hungry thinking about it <laughs> you also got a sous vide machine i do have one am i, I saying that right yeah i think i think so yeah. okay yeah. But, uh, but i have not used it but i've heard why not I am impatient when I'm hungry, and I think that the sous vide <laughs> uh, 
you know, it works with the, just for anyone who doesn't know what this is, you take this thing, mine's a precision cooker is the brand, and you put it in, uh, you put your meat in like a big Ziploc baggie, and then you put it in a pot of water, and then you put the sous vide, the cooker thing inside that pot, and it maintains the temperature of, you, you want the internal temperature of beef to be 160 degrees if you want rare meat. And so it keeps it at 160 degrees for long enough that it kills all the bacteria, and then it doesn't make it any hotter than that, so it could sit for hours. You're never going to overcook your steak. It could sit for as long as you wanted it to sit and get that perfect temperature, and then you take it out and you sear it in the pan the same way. But when I'm hungry, I want food now. And for me, that's why I had to, to, to do this like ground beef slash bacon appetizer is I had to have something to eat while I'm waiting for my steak to be ready. And so I just don't, uh, I don't have the patience and I also there 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 are sous vide cookers that have a Wi-Fi capability, so that you can rig the whole thing up, start it via Wi-Fi when you are you know whatever part of your day, to the, where the timing would match up. But yeah, mine doesn't. Mine, I don't. I didn't do that. You want to bring that to the DZ tomorrow? Let me borrow it. Check sure. it out. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested in buying one. Um, uh, man, you know Zach Lewis. Yep. Zach Lewis, the man understands good food. He understands good scotch, good food. So he's a good man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he swears by that thing. Another dude. Oh man, I can't. I can't think of. Uh, For, former guest of ours, Nick Serrera, was a, a big proponent of it. Well, okay, man, I gotta try it. So let, if you don't mind, let me borrow it. I'll oh, give it a shot. Oh, I did also bake a uh, a brisket, full brisket, a, t- a ten pound. How did it turn out? It was f- phenomenal. I I'm impatient when I when it comes to cooking and you did a brisket. Yeah, well, I could I it's 250 for 13 hours. So I just left. Okay. I put it in the oven and I left. It was perfect. <laughs> I uh I I love so you've had tri-tip. To me that's an hour and a half to 2 hour process depending how many I cook and I enjoy it. I enjoy the process. I enjoy but there's something actively going on the whole time. A zoo, a zoo feed, a zoo, a Zeus uh, machine. <laughs> You're sitting there watching it for an hour and a half, two hours. Not really watching it, but you don't have to do anything. So you said it cooks to 160, and like if I leave it there for five hours, it's going to that, stay that's, there? That's my understanding, is it doesn't dry it out doesn't because it's not getting to the temperatures that would be detrimental to said beef. All right. Yeah, a buddy of mine swears by it as well, and he actually vacuum packs his mm-hmm. meat uh, with whatever kind of seasoning or brine or whatever. Right, super great plan. If it cooks it in the plan ahead, I don't do that. Yeah, and, and you get the flavor all the way through the meat. It's not overcooked, and just a, a quick, really hot sear, and it's perfect. I got to try this, man. I just do. Um, so this week, I, man, we're all shenanigans and off track from the beginning. Um, well, some of the things I want to go over, some of the things I want to talk about are, are my trip, our sacrifice September, Justin's recovery, but also um, those of you watching on Facebook, we do actually want to talk to y'all. Um, we ignore your questions all the fucking time. <laughs> um, it's because we're too good for you. No, um, it's just we're, sick we're, burn. we're sick burn, bro. It's uh, really it's all about the guests, and we want to make sure we give them that time. And, and tonight, we really want to give you guys that time. So if you're on Facebook. Justin's keeping an eye on what's going on. He'll hook us up. He'll let us know. Um, but October 20th, I want to know what's going on, boys. The film festival. The second yeah. annual Graffiti Lab <laughs> Film Festival. I got asked in San Marcos, I don't understand the rules. What don't you understand about the rules? Make a five-minute video about anything Sky Sports related. Does it have to be shot at Skydive Space? No, nope, absolutely not. You can shoot it in Dubai, Australia, Africa. You can shoot it in the depths of hell. It's probably going to win if it came from there. <laughs> but I, wherever, man, bring a cool video of something skydiving, indoor, outdoor, doesn't matter. Make it something about flying. So, um, yeah, the the film festival. I'm I'm fucking ready. 
Andres has already made a couple comments about it being cold. He said, Nick looks like the guy from GTA. Yeah, don't. Do, do don't. I? <laughs> Sometimes you got to put on a jacket inside in the and, uh, moderate heat. He says you, fixed your, you must have fixed your AC issues. My AC issues, yes. <laughs> Man, how often do you watch this show, brother? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, Andreas. Dude, Andreas, you, you know Andreas owns the good guy detailing, the guy who does our cars. Speaking of good-looking cars, Justin pulled up behind me on our yeah. way here. I was like, man, who is this sharp-ass-looking whip? Oh, that's Justin. Yeah, Kind of hoping for a sexy soccer mom, but... I'll take it. You got a sexy ginger instead. <laughs> a sexy soccer <laughs> mom in a 700 horsepower Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> See, but to me, it still just looks like a Jeep. It does, dude. Until you... Uh, I've actually passed other Jeeps on the road that had your same paint job, and I'm looking like, is that a track hog now? Yeah. Because you got to actually look. It, it, it doesn't stand out that it's a Not fucking beast. No, you have to look at the very minor details. Dude, Andres also opened the uh, cafe back up at Skydive San Marcos. Excuse me. Skydive Spaceland San Marcos. Um, so Andreas, the good guys, they're also running EPs, is what they call the deli there. So that dude has no fucking time in his life. None. So, man, is Camille listening? What is she complaining about? Don't don't tell me what Camille's complaining about. Oh, okay. um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's what we're going to do, I'm man. I'm not sure what she's referencing. One of the things that you uh, ignore her, Camille, you shouldn't talk about those things. Um... <laughs> Uh, one of the things you asked at the beginning is, where have I been? Skydive Spaceland, ba- and we talked about this, uh, Skydive San Marcos. And just over two weeks ago, Skydive Spaceland or uh, San Marcos officially opened the doors. Um, I went there with Tim Boyd for transitions. Tim is, uh, I would call him the project manager of the DZ. Uh, he's our business coordinator. He actually is in charge of construction and remodeling and stuff of the DZ did it in Dallas and uh, that takes like six months I'm in charge of transitioning the school over just teaching them what the school is that takes two weeks so I have a much shorter trip <clears throat> but that's where I've been the last two weeks that's all you tell me the highlights <sighs> dude it was a whirlwind man um, first of all Thomas Hughes is the new manager and uh, if you haven't uh, talked to or listened to or know of Thomas very well, the guy's a multi-time uh, world champion, uh, national champion, and also world champion, Arizona Airspeed, um, um, Fast Tracks. Remember Spaceland uh, Ninjas, what did they call themselves? A Force. In 2009, he was on a four-way team out of here, set like a uh, record 42 or 44 points in time on a jump. Um, <clears throat> so super good dude. Uh, Fucking had so much fun hanging out with him and his wife. Uh, they they are such good people. Um, you know who Dan BC is? Yeah. Dan BC is is an amazing individual because of his competition history alone, and having that background and and high level competition is impressive. I guess there are probably a lot of people listening who don't know who Dan BC is. So Dan BC, uh, former four way competitor, former FS competitor, uh, who is the manager of Paris Valley Skydiving Center. Uh, also well known for a book called Above All Else, which is a, a super cool book, really neat. I, I definitely recommend checking it out. I think it's on everything, Barnes and Nobles and stuff too. Um, but Dan BC went from competitor to safety and training and drop zone manager. Very few people have lived in both worlds at such a high level. And Thomas Hughes, to me, dude, it, it, there's no doubt his level of competition is excellent. His manager skills so far, very, very nice. His, his thoughts on safety and training. He, we have the next Dan BC at Spaceland San Marcos. The dude's a, he's going to be a beast, man. 
So that to me is the biggest highlight, man. Um, have you been to San Marcos? Only once, about two weeks ago. I spent several hours in their <laughs> video room. Uh, didn't see the in landing area. <laughs> didn't see. Didn't see anything. I saw the inside of the video room and the inside of the tandem classroom. And then the airplane on the way back out. So you yeah. you've been, Justin? No. No, I no. haven't been. Um, so so first of all, the spots are really really cool spot, man. It's a really nice little air park. Um, the landing area they have is decent. It's a decent size. We're about to expand it by 30, 40%, knocking out some trees and shit. Is that the field to the... No, the, to the which way? Uh, I mean, I don't even know my directions there because I was only there once and I landed in an airplane on the runway. So I would call it the far side of the runway from uh, from where the hangar is. The They're talking about buying property out there, field? Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, that's why, yeah, so I said no. Uh, that's, I think, still in the air. Um, it's on the ground. The trees that are across the Burr. landing area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the trees that are across from the landing area, perpendicular to the runway. Okay. So the runway runs from northeast. Man, I'm still confused in directions there. Northeast to southwest. That's the runway direction. Okay, southwest being where the skydive space land San Marcos hangar is. That's the northeast. Shit, yep, I'm backwards. All Dude, right. 100%. <laughs> the man, it took me two weeks to get here. Bro. Oh, that's northeast. Yep. Okay, no, that makes sense. Yep. Uh, just from um, our approach. You guys landed to the northeast. Yep. At the very far northeast end of the, end of the runway, there was a row of trees off to your right or the east of where you were sitting. Totally did not see that, but I'll take your word for so, it. So, yeah, th they're going to cut that property in, in pieces and try to, or cut those trees down and, and grow the property. So it's a super cool spot, um, is, but my real point is the people, man. Um, San Marcos has always had a history of a lot of uh, good, fun skydivers. When I first moved here, I really considered uh, San Marcos really the uh, epicenter of fun jumping in this region of Texas. You know, Spaceland, we did a good job, but the fun party crowd, the cool things happening, the boogies, man, San Marcos, was a, it was a fucking hot joint. And over the years, it kind of, you know, slowed down. It lost some of its personality. Um, a lot of the staff kind of settled in because that's all they had. They didn't have fun jumpers to keep them energized anymore. Um, but they still seem to have a passion. And then watching Spaceland by the drop zone and meeting all the staff there, dude, watching them all get reinvigorated, watching them all still have a passion, but then work with Steve Sr. and Thomas and all, everybody who really loves it. Dude, it's going to be a hot place, man. I'm just super impressed with the people from Thomas all the way down. Definitely going to get have uh, a new fun jumper crowd coming over with that new otter. Oh, well, dude. I guess it's not a new otter, but new to them. Dude, they, the fun jumpers, have, they did a 17-way while I was there, and they said it's been years since they've had a formation that big over the skies of San Marcos. Whether serious or not, that says a lot that they say it. Um, so, man, the fun jumpers are showing up in droves already, dude. It's, it's fucking pretty cool. So... Um, lots of construction going on. They're going to redo buildings. So if you're from San Marcos, that center building is going to get redone very quickly. Over time, we're looking at expanding the building. I say we, Skydive Spaceland. Um, it, um, we're looking at expanding the building. There's just a lot of great plans to support that drop zone and, and get things going in a bigger direction. So you're bringing their uh, AFF slash STP department up and online, right? Yeah. So what what is... Uh I'm aware that you do some sort of a review and kind of a test jump, <laughs> if you will, with these people. Is that right? So anybody. So um, we've all met somebody who I'm going to be generous and say they earned their AFF rating. Um, I don't think everybody earned it because not, I'm not going to blame the candidate. I'm going to blame the examiner. Some examiners don't do a good job. But you earned your rating one day. 
but not everybody maintains that skill set. You know, we, we don't have to roll students over often. We don't have to catch students often if we do our jobs. Um, so Spaceland period, if you're new AFF instructor to us, don't care how many years you have, you have to do an instructor checkout jump. I go out, give you a, a manageable but difficult exit. You release me, you fly slot, you have to fly within certain, uh, distances and timing of me and then at some point i tumble onto my back you gotta dive down catch me roll me over and then you actually have to deploy my parachute um every instructor so what we get a new aff instructor every month or two or three do them every now and then we have like 12 maybe 10 aff instructors in san marcos so we did a bunch of those jumps um thomas hughes got to do that jump tell me about that oh my god I mean, on a scale from one to ten, one being super easy that, you know... Fucking most ten. <laughs> yeah, ten. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I don't... Uh, I never got to a ten because he fucking wouldn't let me. Um, he's a legit player, man. So, number one, I go in and anybody who's an instructor, they do this jump. Thomas, you're going to be an instructor. I had a meeting with him up front. I want you to be the first guy to do this jump. We're doing it by leader, leadership. You know, set the example. Thomas is like, I wouldn't have it any other way. Now, we both agreed if our schedules allowed it. A kid named James Akins. I don't know if you remember. James used to be our editor years ago. Um, uh, stepped up and was the first guy. But uh, Thomas is going to do it by leader. And then I said, Thomas, I'm going to give you the worst exit I've given everybody. I'm going to make everything harder on you than I'm going to give anybody. And straight up, number one, I never want anybody to say there's favoritism. Just because he's the manager. Just because we've, we're friends. Just because he's a world champion, I'm going to take it easy on him. No, fuck, he's a world champion. Let's go to war. And, uh, dude, it was a battle. It was so much fun. Um, fuck the exit up. He took, him, took Thomas on a ride. He fucking manhandled me and got me back. Uh, flew slot, banged into him, tried to spin. He wouldn't let me. Uh, we play fall rate in all directions. I'm going to go slow, fast, backslide. Um, one of us lost 35 pounds recently. The other one is Thomas Hughes. So when I hit a little <laughs> bit of slow, um, I caught him off guard. I was quick with the move. As soon as he realized it, he stayed and kept catching back up to me. Um, but I caught him off guard for once. It's the only fucking moment. Uh, rolled over. He caught me right away. Started spinning. He caught me right away. Um, just made it look good. So that, that was fun. Um, DC... Don Cameron, you'll meet him. Super nice dude. Yeah, I met Don while I was there. Yeah, he was. Uh, it, I understood him as the lead instructor there. Is exactly. That right? Okay. Did you say exactly? Exactly. Did you get all Asian on me exactly. over there? Exactly. Right. Uh, if you listen, I call <laughs> Zach Boyd exactly regularly. Um, he had to get checked out to do these jumps. So at some point, I shot video of him doing them. And those you shot video of this course. It's so fun for me. It can I enjoy be fun. It. I enjoy the shit out of it. Come shoot video tomorrow. I got three top-notch candidates. They're the fun kind of watch. Um, but yeah, that was it. Did you want any more highlights? Gosh, if there's anything else that stands out, you've been gone for two weeks. Something cool must have happened. Dude, uh, man, Scott, I have San Marcos. If you're there for dinner, go check out San Marcos Square, downtown square. Old school town, small little square, one block around in all directions. You know, little dome building in the center town hall, whatever. Uh, there are some good grub places. Um, ate at the fucking tap room, queso, bacon, guacamole, cheeseburger. That was fucking the bomb. Um, <laughs> that sounds glorious. Dude, the root cellar is around the corner from it, man. 
the one night I ate past eight o'clock, the one night I broke my intermittent fasting rule, the entire time I, I have, I was like, man, I'm fucking starved. So my compromise was zucchini noodles with an avocado uh, vegetable sauce. It was straight up complete keto. I was like, "Fuck yeah!" At least I'm going to cheat good. So, l- tell me about your intermittent fasting. Where, where did this? Uh, how did, how did you decide to do this? So, the beginning of September, I was going to just do a week of it, and halfway through the week, I'm like, "Well, let's do two weeks of it." And uh, a a week into it, totals only a couple more days. I'm like, "Man, you know, Nick talks about how long he does this shit. Let me get real. Let me get serious. Let me not fuck around." And I said, "Fuck it. I'm going on the road." I tend to, most people tend to want to eat trash on the road. So when I travel, I tend to try to be on some type of diet or some type of restricted uh, intake, whether it's salads or whatever. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just going to intermittent fast the whole fucking month. And um, woke up one morning and decided um, that morning, or actually that night, right before I ate dinner, I'm like, man, hey, Val, let's eat dinner early as we can. I'm going to try a 24-hour fast. You had just told me about the easy way to do it. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's when I came home and said, hey, let's try this. Nick Nick told me how to do this. So I'm going to give it a shot. And I only have done it over dinner. I have not gone to bed hungry yet. That is on October's list. Um, I just said, fuck it. Let's sa- I called it Sober September. You redubbed it sap- Sacrifice. And I'm like, man. Well, only because I knew I was going to. I mean, for me, giving up alcohol isn't a challenge, right? Because yeah. I mean, how how often is it that you even see me have a beer here when everybody else is drinking or at the drop zone when everybody's drinking? Yeah. I've so act- it's not like I was really giving up very much. I've actually seen you have more beers during this show than I've ever seen you have beers. I've and prob- that's at like yeah, four. And that's probably, <laughs> I've probably had more beers here than anywhere. That's, yeah. I'm sure that's true. Yeah. So I, I decided, fuck it, let's go all sacrifice. And it was about discipline. The m- further I got into it, the more I understood my goals. The more I just, I just kind of like you started keto. I just started and then figured it out. And in the end, it turned into the discipline of choice. And I started applying the thought process to the discipline of choice and how I act and react emotionally. So, I mean, I, I made me do a lot of thinking and reflecting. So, and how do you feel like this affected your relationship with food? I still love the shit out <laughs> of food. Oh, my God. Um, but I have more control over when I eat because I will continue to eat until I go to sleep. Um, I've been really good at what we're only three days into October, but I've been really good at choosing when to eat, um, not snacking all day. So, so, uh, for someone who isn't a Joe Rogan nerd and doesn't know very much about intermittent fasting, nerd. how would you, uh, how would you describe this to the lay person to maybe this is a new term? Um, dude, you, uh, pick eight hours a day to eat. I pick noon to 8 PM because of the time I go to bed, the time I wake up. Um, I choose not to eat until noon at the earliest. Some days that's noon. Some days that's two o'clock in the afternoon. Doesn't matter when I start. 8 p.m. is my cutoff. I don't move the eight-hour block. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, but that's just where I stick. And eight o'clock, it's the last intake. Um, in fact, I cheated once last month. But the amount I worked, I needed to take something in. Uh, is there a rule for how how soon before bedtime you stop? You better answer that. Well, I think that some people say that night eating isn't great for you. And to me, it seems like most of the people who say that are kind of an old school, old school mentality of like, oh, yeah, you got to eat a bunch of meals in the day to keep your metabolism up and yada, yada, yada. And so most of that I would disagree with. (laughs) 
Oh, hang on. For, it, for anyone that's uh, just listening right now, DJ just unveiled his uh, his glorious uh, Gravity Lab jersey that I had not seen yet. That's oh badass. man, and it just tossed yes. me my own. Hell yeah, dude, that's super cool. <laughs> so that was hold on. Those <laughs> somebody's already asked if these are in yet on no. the live stream. Yeah, Camille. I think or but, nobody knows this exists. Up. Yeah, we didn't I didn't know this existed until about twelve seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. I thought we were Me part either. of <laughs> I thought we were part of the surprise of these new rating center jerseys that I'm now taking off my hoodie to show everybody. So what happened is Rating Center announced jerseys recently and uh, a lot of people pre ordered them. Nick's got his name on his collar, says Mr. P on the back. Um, if you have a TRC jersey, they're already shipped to you. Unless you're picking them up at Skydive Spaceland, hit me up. They're all at the DZ, ready to deliver. Got them packaged with your fucking name <laughs> on that it. Gravity Lab. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, during that ordering process, I also ordered TR Gravity Lab T uh, uh, jerseys. Um, I only ordered five of them. There is Justin has his name on the front, and it says producer on the collar. Nick has his name, and it says uh, Mr. P. Mine on my collar says El Wapo, and in the back, it has my uh, name Donji in Japanese and Kanji, the way my grandfather wrote it. So Dude, these, are, these are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I told Justin and Nick, wear jackets, because we're going to reveal these dope TRC jerseys to the crowd. And uh, the whole time, the plan was, how would I not look like the fucking weirdo in the room <laughs> with a jacket on by myself? <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I was about to be like, "Hey, it's getting a little warm in here. Can we take these fucking yeah, off? Right. Oh man! Dude, so shout out to Adam Buckner Option Studios. I, shout out to Option Studios. I hit Adam up and I said, "Adam, design these. I want to buy one for each member of the crew. The three of us. Valerie has La Hefa, and Ben Nelson is still our grumpy cat. So he has a Ben Nelson grumpy cat jersey. Um, oh, oh, Nick, these are sick. Nick, how do we do? The blue. How do we do the colors, boy? <laughs> it's so sexy. You know what? This is gonna match really, really well. Your fucking new rig. Yeah, sacred oh, geometry geez. with your colors, Justin. I hope I got the blue oh. right, man. Our our yeah, boy. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Adam Buckner Dude. had to get a hold of Infinity to see your new rig to make sure <laughs> we did the colors right. I love the font on the back, too. Dude, and so, and so Option Studios, we we talk about him all the time, but that's how fucking far he went, dude. He says, Man, this is next level. He gave me two colors for you, showed them both to me. I was like, uh. He goes, wait a minute. I'm going to find out his new rig, and then I'm going to copy it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Hey, you know what I got today? The tracking number for my rig yeah. that they just shipped out today. By the way, that's why I asked you the other day. <laughs> Did you know yet? <laughs> no, I, I honestly have never asked. Yeah. Uh, just because I, I really like the relationship that I've uh, had with them thus far. And uh, I don't ever want to put any pressure on anybody to do anything. I'd rather just uh, do my very best to hold up my part of any. Uh, God, this thing is so good looking. You got the. Will you grab this tight shot again? Yep. Oh my God. Right there, it's so yeah. Sexy. So we each have them in our own colors. Um, uh, these are the only ones that exist right now. I made five. We're fucking snots. <laughs> uh, I asked Adam. Man, thank you. Dude. You're this welcome, is awesome. man. So I do want to make sure something's clear. I did get you guys the first set, and that's not what I want to make clear. Uh, I only ordered one for each of you. The other one is a gift from Mr. Buckner. So Option Studios did supply one of those as a thank you. Uh, he's been a huge supporter of our show. And, and Adam, thank you so fucking much because, um, Nick, this was my design, like the colors I wanted. When I saw yours, 
I'm like, I really like Knicks. It would be cool if I had one like that in red. <laughs> That's what I told him, right? Two days later, I get pictures of that. So I actually have uh, two that like are like yours, but red. Dude, I can't even believe, like, I mean, the quality of it and how quickly <laughs> he, he puts this stuff together. Yeah. It's amazing. Dude, Dude, thank I you was so just, much. Uh, this is awesome. Yeah. From design to delivery was something like seven weeks for this, for this jersey. Um, dude, hit up Option Studios, people. This is not. Uh, th- this is straight up for you guys. This is something I wanted to say to, dude, to say thank you to both of you for doing what we do. At the start of the show, I told you how much I missed you guys, how happy I was to be back, and it seemed a little bit emotional. And now you know why, because I knew I had something to share with dude, you. Dude, this is great, man. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you, Adam. Yeah, Adam, you did a fucking killer job. Adam actually designed the original Monty Gravity Lab logo. Um, he's designed our jerseys. He's designed the TRC jersey, Option Studios. They fucking crush <laughs> it, I love man. the little money on the inside of the collar, too. Yeah. It's badass. So, excuse me. So, there you go. What were you talking about again, bud? I have no idea. <laughs> Dude, I know what you're wearing tomorrow. Yeah, you know it. I know yeah. what you're wearing this weekend. For sure. Yeah. Dude, I, I'm so fucking stoked with these. I've been I've had these all week. You know how hard it's been to not wear this to you know, the DZ? Yeah. You know how not surprised I am that it's black and red, just like every other piece right. of equipment that you've ever owned? Look at your shirt. That's brown and gold or yellow and blue or whatever they said on it's it. It's still pretty much black and red, though. It's, it's got some black and red in it, <laughs> for sure, man. I mean, kind of like the giant circle in the middle <laughs> Dude, of it. I, have, I really have a problem right now that I have too many cool jerseys. I have 16 this, now. This is what has I become just a problem in my <laughs> oh, life. Wow. That's awesome, man. Oh man, it, it's it's a we we work with and for some really cool people. We're very very fucking lucky and blessed. And oh man, I can wear this under I, my Astros jersey at the NLDS games this weekend. I walk. I look around my office and see a bunch <laughs> of black and red. It doesn't hurt that Infinity, one of my sponsors, is black and red. Option Studios is black and red. It, you know, works out for me. They, their natural colors are mine. So, or maybe you just sought out these sponsors because they had cool colors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's man. Find out what companies match the same colors you wear, <laughs> sponsored athletes, and then get out there, man. Man, these are great for real. This is awesome, dude. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so Justin, how's that knee going, brother? It's going pretty good. Yeah, I had a uh, strength test last week and followed up with the doctor on Tuesday. I want to go backwards just a little bit in time, and, and I say this because we've only like touched on the fact that your knee's jacked up. We really haven't talked about it. So what, what the fuck's wrong with your knee? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's kind of an ongoing story. It's one of those Bring old it. injury things. Uh, back in college, I was really heavy into kung fu. Uh, trained it. What sort of kung fu? Uh, Wing Chun kung fu. Southern (laughs) Southern Shaolin. I'm sorry. Anything with Wang in it will still make me laugh. (laughs) It's Wing, damn it. (laughs) It's not like the song. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, So I I was training that for uh, seven days a week while I was in college, weightlifting, all that stuff. Pretty hardcore into it. Uh, Did it for... About three and a half years by the time I injured myself, uh, I was sparring uh, with another senior student um, and had some incidental contact, hurt my knee. Uh, turns out I tore my meniscus at the time, but I was in college, didn't have health insurance, and it wasn't that bad of an injury where it was crippling. Uh, so, I'll keep it on you. I'm just looking okay. at it. <laughs> so I, uh, I kind of rehabbed it myself because I was – 
really heavy into Kung Fu, so I kind of knew what to do. And my instructor is a former, uh, you know, kinesiology major, all that good stuff. So he kind of helped me rehab it. Um, I was also really big into running at the time, and it didn't impede my running that much. <clears throat> so cut to about four years later, where I had a good job and good insurance. Uh, finally got it fixed. Um, but the problem had always been that my uh, ligaments felt stretched. It popped out of socket really easily. Uh, I got the meniscus repaired and, and went through all that rehab fine, but I could never go back to doing aggressive movements in Kung Fu. Just weight shifts certain ways. Uh, my knee would pop out of socket, and it would just drop me to the ground, and I'd be uh, hurting pretty bad for a few days. Actually, during our uh, <laughs> AFFI course, my knee popped out of socket in the plane, uh, and I was sore for a good week after that. Uh, so it was kind of already stretched out. It, so, But you've been skydiving with this problem this whole time. Yeah, uh-huh. It's something I've okay. lived with for, I don't know, shit, 10 years, something like that, a little bit over that. Um, so it would only occasionally pop out of socket. Like if I sit Indian style or if I shift my weight, if I'm, I'm sitting on my knees or something like that, shift my weight to pop out and right back in. Uh, and then, oh man, four months ago now, um, it, I finally tore it. I tore my ACL and re tore my meniscus a little bit. So I had that repaired, um, nearly three months ago now. I uh, had a cadaver ACL put in. <laughs> I can never get over that one, man. Yeah. A dead body put in me. That's right. I have a, I have <laughs> a dead like, guy's patellar tendon in place of where my ACL used to be. It's like necrophiliac backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also smoothed out the meniscus again and been doing a lot of physical therapy since that. Have you tried cryotherapy at all? No, um... From what I understand from the physical therapy guy told me, that's more for total body. Okay. I have a cryo cuff, so that thing is freaking money. It's so good. I mean... I was too cheap to buy one yeah, for my shoulder. My uh, uh, my insurance covered one for two weeks right at the surgery, and then I bought a cheaper version of the same thing on Amazon for like 150 bucks. It just circulates cold water. doesn't yeah. have the compression in it, but it freaking works like... A charm. Bags of ice, man. I went cheap, Charlie. I actually I bought like gel packs, but that's what I did on my meniscus. But I figured this one was a little more intense. I needed, I needed that s severe chill down. Yeah, I um, man, that's a that, that's one hell of a surgery. I that doesn't doesn't feel good. Where are you at right now, though? Like, so you started off with re help, help, get me back there. Um, let's see. I'm going on nearly three months now. And uh, what was your last? check out strength the yeah they did a they hooked me up to a biodex machine which is from the 80s <laughs> it's super <laughs> retro it's on this old like uh cr crt monitor uh <laughs> tiny like display smaller than my laptop it's got a little dude strapped into it with his arms up in the air like it's a nintendo 8-bit game <laughs> it's so bad uh but the thing works like a charm it measures the torque produced by your quads and uh hamstrings so they, they test the good leg, they get a torque measurement through several repetitions, as hard as you can, as fast as you can. Um, and the harder and faster you do it, the more resistance it gives, it measures the torque value. It's a, it's a dynamometer. Um, it's How like many a, horsepower do you a create? A dyno for a car. I don't know, I didn't see the actual torque numbers there. I, I had a one Justin Power. <laughs> <laughs> 
So they had they do the right leg, then the left leg, compare the two. Uh, luckily, my hamstrings are, are even. Uh, I didn't have any degradation there. My quad is 37%. Uh, produces 37% less torque on the knee I had surgery on, which is common. And I'm wondering how much of that was already there because I've had this injury for so long. Already nursing it? Yeah, just just from, you know, yeah. using my right leg for mostly everything. Man, one thing it makes me think about is I, I, you, you said this at the beginning, and I thought that was really cool. And I say beginning, when you first had your surgery, you said, I'm not going to jump for this long. And you gave an extremely long number, longer than what most people would say. And quite frankly, longer than I probably think you need to give, but longer in a smart way. Right. And so many jumpers rush back from injury. So many jumpers rush back from getting hurt. And... You know, part-time skydiver, full-time skydiver, it, it doesn't matter. I, I see it all the time. I've had such a, such a mixture of people saying things. Like, I think the ones that have gone through similar surgeries have all said, take your freaking time, don't rush it. Whereas there's a lot of people like, oh, just slide your landings in. You'll be fine. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I'd, I mean, I haven't not stood up a landing in a long time, but I'm not going to risk it. There's no reason to for the rest of my life. I might have freaking yeah. a total knee replacement because I was an idiot. Back when I was 33. I've seen full-time instructors take it to where they can risk it and be okay and be fine. And that one abnormal thing does happen to where they tumble or something weird happens and they re-hurt it, re-injure it. Now they're out for twice as long. Instead of waiting two weeks, now you got four more months back into sitting on the ground because you keep downwinding it by the pond. I don't know who I'm talking (laughs) about, though. (laughs) It's crazy, man. If if you're skydiving, Nick, have you ever had a a long-term recovery? Nothing very long, no. I mean, the most serious injury I've had since I started skydiving was I, I tore some ligaments in my foot, which I, I thought it was broken. And uh, just kind of, I tried to be a man about it, you know, just try to be like, oh, yeah, my foot's hurt, whatever, whatever, whatever. And later it got, the more my foot hurt. So I finally went to the emergency room at about midnight. And then the the uh, radiation tag, is that right? The guy that does the x-rays, radiologist, he says... Um, yeah, it looks broken. Let me send in the doctor. Doctor comes in, he fills my foot. Yeah, it's probably broken. We'll look at the x-rays. Turned out just to be some, some torn ligaments, which they put me in a boot, and I think I was jumping a week, a week and a half later. So, no, that wasn't long. Man, it, it's wait, take your time. There's no rush to get back. How long was your shoulder? Um, said and done five months out of the sky. The There it, two months of rehab before my doctor finally agreed that an MRI was a good idea, even though everybody in the world kept saying you need an MRI. I finally went to a doctor for a second opinion and got an MRI at the same time. So um, you started rehab before you got an MRI? Just yeah. Just to see if that would help? And, and it, no, yeah, and it made it worse. Uh-huh. Like I went from being able to raise my hand before I started physical therapy to not being able to zip my fucking fly up, and I'm not joking. My shoulder was so jacked up. Um and then got a surgery. Uh, dude, I saw my, my uh, orthopedic surgeon, met him for a, set, for a second opinion. The next day I was on the phone with his scheduler. The next day I was in for surgery. Like, he told me, yeah, when my scheduler calls you, tell her I said this. I'm like, all right. Yeah, so uh, two to three weeks, blah, blah, blah. What's your schedule? Uh, Dr. Sitter told me to tell you this. And I, I felt like a chump, like, you hear this bullshit all the time. Oh, cool. Let me call you right back. I need to see if I can get something open tomorrow because I might. Okay, sure. 
Great. She calls me back. Hey, yep. You got to be here today for your pre-surgery. Great. So my shoulder was fucked at this point. Um, he told me at that point, six months, I would be out. Um, three months after the surgery, he cleared me to jump. I said, Doc, I can't touch toggles. He goes, cool. When you can touch your toggles, you're cleared to jump. But he beat on me, man. Him and my physical therapist, they were fucking brutal. Um, he had said, you're a professional athlete if you think of it that way. I'm like, mm, I get you. I know what you're saying. I'm going to make you train like you're a professional athlete. Like you play in the NFL, like you play in Major League Baseball. You're just not as strong as those guys. But the schedule they do, that you're going to be your rehab. So at one point I was in the gym six days a week. Um, PT in the morning, uh, personal PT at night, in the gym on my off days every other day. So uh, five months out of the sky, two more months of rehab after that, that I was running courses and going home from a course, going into physical therapy at night. So seven months total. That was a long answer. It's hmm. a long time, man. Dude. That's the sign of a good uh, doctor, physical therapist, though. It, they're going to work you out as hard, as willing as you are to work out. Oh, man, my physical therapist. I saw her off my first order. Coincidentally, I went to this place, got this physical therapist. Her name was Juliana. Uh, multiple friends have been her. Uh, Jack Burke has actually used the same therapist. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Laura Reed, if you remember her. There's a couple other people who've seen this gal um, in, right up the road. And she gets the order from Dr. Sitter, man. And Timothy Sitter, if you need an orthopedic surgeon in Houston, I will fucking highly recommend Timothy Sitter. A lot of our friends have seen him. Uh, Nicole for her shoulder. Myself, Leah Blachey, or Bessonette, how you know her, um, Hazmat's wife. There, there's been a few. Um, uh, she looked at the order and says, oh, my God, this is awesome. I'm like, what's awesome? I've never had a patient who will push as hard as I push him. And I've worked with you, so I'll know you'll push. I've never had a doctor who said, push him this hard. I've never had both of them together. I'll get a doctor who says it or a patient who'll do it. I finally, first time I've gotten my life to be able to beat on somebody the way I think is right. <laughs> and I mean, she was very nice woman, fucking got along with her great. God damn, I hated her for an hour a <laughs> yeah. fucking day. What a bitch, man. <laughs> I can relate to that shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, su super cool people. Um, I formed a lot of relationships in that place. I got to know everybody every three to four times a week. It sucked. But I love at the end of it when I can't even stand on my leg anymore. It's so freaking burned out. That, hey, I really got something out of this. Yeah. The hard part was as I drove Banata a stick, it was my left arm. So I got to drive a stick, shift with my right arm. My left arm can't steer, and it's a clutch, so I can't use my knee to drive. <laughs> <laughs> I got real good <laughs> handicap driving, man. It worked out pretty good. Um, back to it though. Take your time getting back. Uh, is it really fucking worth going down for three more months when you get hurt? And my shoulder surgery, Heath Richardson. I would. I went on right seat planes. Um, I actually don't know if you knew this. Um, you were. You knew me during the surgery, uh, Justin. You did too. I actually almost walked away from skydiving. I kind of had the sense that you. That you. I don't know that we had the conversation about it. Yeah. But it, it seemed very distant during that time. Um, so I absolutely was, and it was, it was by intent. Number one, it's hard to be on the fucking drop zone and not be able to jump. I'll go to the drop zone and not choose to jump, not be able to jump is a whole nother fucking conversation. So part of it was I kept distance that way. Part of it was, is man, I got to be God honest. This is a fucking dead end job. Uh, those of you who want to do what I do for a living, man, God bless you. And I, man, all power to you. Do it, man. I, it, it's great. 
but I, I plan on working the rest of my life. I don't have a retirement. If it wasn't for a wife, I wouldn't have benefits. Um, and I really thought about what am I doing with my life? Is this what I want to do? Is this how I want to do it? And I have a buddy named Lee Becton. Worked with him in Indiana, and Lee played football for uh, he played football for Notre Dame. Uh, first round draft pick for the Green Bay Packers in I think ninety two, if I remember right, ninety one, ninety one. Um, during preseason, had his uh, blowout. Warren Sapp hit him. His primary carrying hand, he's right hand, if I remember right, got blown out. Goes into rehab and surgery. Part of it coming back, plays Australian rule football. Plays Australian rule football for a season, then it's coming back to the NFL. He said when he got back to playing, he realized, and we asked him all the time, I played fucking in a flag football league with this dude. We won always. The game was called Give the Ball to Lee. The dude was a fucking running back. For the Green Bay Packers at some point. He could juke every one of his people out of our shorts. He knew what he was doing. Um, man, I played football my whole fucking life. That's all I did. And when I took a break, I didn't realize how much I enjoyed the break. And when I got to play back playing football, I realized I only play football and I only love, and he loved it. I only love it because it's what I know to do. I, I, I know to love it. I didn't know anything else. So getting the break from football taught me I really didn't like it that much. I enjoyed it, but that's not what I wanted to do with my life. And the guy's in financing now. has worked in banking and all sorts of financing stuff. Super good dude. Um, I used that break to understand was I Lee Becton. That was, so you saw me. I showed up once a month to run a canopy course, and I went home. That's all you saw me for three months. Um, that was by design, and it was to see if I really, really belonged in the sport still to see if I really cared. Um, it also rejuvenated me quite a bit. But uh, um, Heath took me up on a right seat ride one day. And that, excuse me, that was my test. That was my, uh, am I still in love with this or not? We got to a grand on the ride to altitude, and I took the biggest, deepest breath and said, I'm home. This is where I belong. And by the way, Justin, Go take a right seat ride, motherfucker. Yeah, I should do that. <laughs> it's healthy for the soul. I've only been out there a few times. Obviously, mine uh, situation's a little bit different with not working there full time. Yeah. But it's, yeah, every time I get out there, I get emotional. Like, oh, man, I really don't want to be here right yeah. now. I love seeing my friends, but like, oh, shit, it just pains me to be here and not be able to jump. Like you said, I mean, I've been out there plenty of times and not jumped, Yeah, but not being able to. Dude, it's an air bath. Do it with Rabbit. Just because y'all know yeah. each other so well. Y'all are friends, y'all are homies. Um, I think you'll enjoy the ride more with Rabbit just partially based off your friendships. Um, dude, he took, he took me on a ride on the way down. Nothing crazy, nothing exciting, but we definitely didn't just ascend. He took me around for a ride, do a little surfing, just, just going around the sky, man. And there were, it was a cloudy day, so we were going around canyons and going around sky, you know, keeping clearance, but just flying around shit. And it felt so good. So get back in the sky, brother. When are you going to start jumping again? I don't know. Um, the results of the test were good. Uh, he cleared me to get a little more vigorous. I have an elliptical at home, so he said I can start using that and really push myself on it and burn my leg out uh, and, and really build it up stronger. So um, I have another strength test in a month. I'm going to wait for that one uh, before I decide. No matter how good I feel, I want to I wanna see what the results of that test are. Cool, man. Fucking good luck. I hope it comes back for you. What you been up to, Mister Mister P? Besides sacrifice, September. Gosh, um, I oh, I did want to own up to. I had one cheat day. 
in September on the on the carnivore diet. Sam had planned a date for us. Like I didn't even know what it was. Like a month and a half prior, she said, "Hey, on this day, I need you to be. Oh, I need you to be free because I'm taking you to something." Didn't know what it was. Put it on my calendar. And then when she when it got close and she knew how she had seen how serious I had taken this diet that I was willing to just torture myself and be hungry and hate food for a month. She was like, hey, I got to tell you something. This thing's a dinner thing. And uh, here's a number if you want to call and see if they can just bring you meat. And I was like, you know, I was vegan for a long time, too, which is ironic that this is my latest latest dietary venture. And so one thing that I really enjoyed about not being vegan anymore is like when you're vegan and you're going to go out to eat with with friends or whatever, someone says, oh, hey, let's go here. And then if you're vegan, you got to be like, oh, well, I can't eat anything there, so we can't go there. Oh, okay. What about this place? No, I can't eat there either. We have like these four places that we can go. And this was like, God, years ago when there weren't nearly as many vegan options as there are now. But I was really happy to not be that person anymore of like, even even when I'm following a pretty strict diet, I can go to most places and find something that I can eat, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't ready to fuck up this date night that Sam had planned for two months to be vegan again, you know, to be to be a carnivore. So I did have that one cheat date with her which uh, made the next day after you've kind of felt like hitting the reset button of like starting over with, uh, with giving up food. But uh, other than that, uh, I don't think I did all that much in September other than just regular work stuff. I did go to San Marcos for that day. Uh, Maybe I, did I go to Dallas for a day? It feels like I went to Dallas. I don't know, Uh, man. I got to go to Dallas next. Man, uh, Ben, great guy. Uh, ben has one of these shirts, by the way. Ben Nelson. And it says Grumpy Cat, uh, where ours has different names. <laughs> that's so, really funny. yeah. Ben has it. And then, uh, yeah, no, I don't think you did go to Dallas. I feel like I did. I don't know, man. It's, uh, I love being part of that Spaceland family. Um, it, it's super cool, man. It, it's a great environment. I enjoy it. Um, I'm getting dizzy. Oh, I did for that Dialexa group. Dialects yes, a technology the company. Group. Yeah, corporate yeah. Uh, corporate outing. Uh, people from a company called Dialexa, they had like 70 people come out and all make tandem jumps. Weekday? Uh, I, I want to say it was a Friday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because y'all took like three people. Yeah, a couple other instructors just Pedro. to to help accommodate the size of this uh, of this group. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that is why I went to Dallas. Lovely little video. Yeah. Um, sorry to interrupt you. No, I just that's had all to good, man. Work that out before I forgot why I was in Dallas. So is there anything coming up for you late in, in the near future? What's going on? Not any serious travels. Uh, you know, iFly was sending me around for a little bit, but I think that they're, uh, they were sending me around to give video for their virtual reality uh, ordeal that they've rolled out. And the virtual reality thing is going really well for iFly right now, so well that they don't think that they need immediate new content. So it probably won't be for another year until I travel for them again. But, uh, oh, I went back to Utah in the middle of the month, too. I did go there. I went, right. went back home and uh, visited some family. Uh, I've been visiting a tattoo artist out there. Been getting tattooed once every couple months. Did it hurt? <laughs> How <laughs> long did it take? <laughs> <laughs> Was that hey, me? that's a sick outline you got on your knee there, bro. Dude, I have this one. I want to get one. I just don't know what I'd get. It's so funny because you actually get so so much disdain for like people asking you about your tattoos, but you continue no. to get them. I really, I really like them. I honestly, I really like being a tattooed person. I like having tattoos. I think tattoos are neat. Like when I see someone who's covered in neat tattoos, like good artwork, I look at them, 
and not in like a like I'm staring at you like a creep sort of way. It's like it really interests me. The same way that you would watch a nice swoop and just be like, "Yep, that he's doing it." I really like the way that it looks. I just hate having the same pretend conversation about it. Like if everywhere you went, <laughs> everyone was like, "So being Asian's cool." Tell me about having slanty eyeballs all the time. The world's an HD TV. <laughs> Everybody but, widescreen. But, but whatever. I'm just sick of the surface conversation about it. If someone wants to have a real conversation yeah. about tattoos, great. I'll have that conversation. But it's like, hey, I don't care about your shitty tribal armband, bro. I just don't. <laughs> like, I don't care about the one that your cousin has. I don't. Yeah. Like, I know that, like, when you ask me how many tattoos I have, what the fuck does it mean what number I say? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Do you really have no clue how many times you've been tattooed? No, no idea. Oh, okay. I mean, I never thought of it. It would be like, I mean, I didn't start a logbook or anything. It wasn't really <laughs> like I was planning this shit out. You, you know? know, there's people out there yeah. who have a diary of it, though. I guess, probably. Oh, they're positive. They're called women. But I started getting, <laughs> <laughs> I started getting tattooed six, 16 years ago. I was getting tattooed by the same person that I was getting tattooed by when I was back home. And it was a funny realization to have. Like, I had that realization while he was tattooing me. I was like, dude, you've been tattooing me for half my life. How fucking crazy is that? But, um. Has he done most of what you have artwork? No, no, no. Yeah. Half, some? Uh, some. Okay. A third to some, maybe. I don't know. Some. Yeah. I've actually never but, really thought much about what you have artwork wise. I was making note of this earlier that I have a lot of flowers tattooed on me, which seems a bit gay for lack of a better word just i just wouldn't think of me being covered in flowers what do they mean a bunch of, yeah i don't fucking know <laughs> i don't know it's just pretty you know it's like hey what is uh what is this painting of waz like what does it mean does it have to change your life the fact that you hung it on your wall or can you just appreciate good artwork and you want to have pretty walls instead of boring fucking walls I don't know what it means, man. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> it's pretty paint on the wall. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's uh dude, I actually as you've been talking now I've been staring at the devil on your shin. And it's really an, uh, he's an oni. He's, oni. It's, yeah, it's Japanese Ay, right up your alley. Ay, there you Ay, go. Ay, yeah. I understand is what yeah. Akarimasu? Wak- wakarimasu. Wakarimasu. Hey, wakarimasu. Ah, I understand. Yeah, oh. white kid. He's actually from France, super into doing traditional Japanese stuff. And now that it's laying down on its side and not getting half blocked by a table, or I mean straight up and down, I can see it a lot better. So especially with yeah, some we're, of... We're really having a tat chat on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> just looking <laughs> at the eyelashes and the fucking nose hair and stuff. Um, anyways, sorry about so that. Adam sent me some screenshots of jerseys. Dude, uh, so the Gravity... Adam Buckner, Option Studios, the fucking man. Shout out to Option Studios. <laughs> the Rating Center jersey, um, first of all, I did almost exclusive pre-order on these. Um, we had, like, I think 60, 70 people pick one up. Thank you guys so much for fucking, like, supporting the Rating Center, making it look cool. Um, I have a couple extras. I have a couple mediums and a couple extra larges. Um, they don't say coach or examiner on them, um, but I, I've got those. Uh, if you want those, hit me up. I do have them for sale at the drop zone. Um, if do any of them a, say Mr. P on the back? Only one, and it says Nick on the <laughs> collar. Oh, there it is. There's um, the Mr. P. If, if, you, uh, if enough people are interested in that rating center jersey, hit me up, let me know. I'll make a second order. I'll make a second batch. But uh, they won't have names on the collar anymore. That was a one-time run. Um, I had to pay a little extra for that. And uh, Adam, uh, uh, I, we ate that out of cost or out of pocket. So. Uh, I'm digging Val's colors, by the dude, way. Dude, Val's looks dope. That is sick. Yeah. Hers says La Heffa on the yeah. next to her name. <laughs> There's the back. Yeah. 
So I picked all the names, producer, Mr. P. I hope you guys are good with that. Um, mine was hard because I'm like, I don't know what to put mine. How hard was it? El Wapo <laughs> What was cool is figuring out the back. Um, my name on the back is in kanji. I know how to spell, spell my name in katakana. So hiragana, katakana, and kanji there are the three alphabets. And I learned them in that order. And in kanji, I can't spell I, I can't spell my name, but I can in katakana. So I found out, A, how to spell my name, and there's 20 ways. And B, how my grandfather spelt it. And so that's actually my grandfather's spelling of my name, Ganji. So I got to get a little family history. I actually found out what my name really means. I've always joked around that it has no meaning because I never, I was told it didn't. Um, but my mom explained to me a lot. So it was super cool. Um, that's the original red base one. And then I went to the white base because I was jealous of Nick. <laughs> so Sorry if you're listening to this on podcast and we're just scrolling through pictures right now and you can't see this, but you should watch on Facebook sometime. Hey, by the way, Justin, is there any questions, any things that people have been bugging us about? I said we'd actually bother people today and, and say hello to them. Um, not really. They There's all just been, made fun of us wearing jackets. Uh, of course, Marion uh, posted Ooh. some shout-outs to her events coming up. I want to talk about that for sure, man. Jumpforthe-rose.org. Man, I'm a huge supporter, huge fan. Marion Sparks is just such a hero of mine. Uh, Marion Sparks had cancer. She's been on our show, Breast Cancer, uh, a company or an organization called The Rose Nonprofit. Helped her, uh, helped her diagnose, helped her cure that breast cancer. She has started an organization called Jump for the Rose to raise money to give back. Um, right now they're raffling on a, off a Jeep, Jeep, I get this wrong every time, Patriot maybe. Um, $100 a raffle ticket, man. Uh, Justin, share that link on, on the Facebook page, please. Guys, gals, the second weekend of October at Skydive Spaceland Houston is the Jump for the Rose mini boogie. Rain or shine, come on out. She always has some super dope raffles. You you buy a, a, a ticket, but the raffles are for charity. Um, all the proceeds go to charity. Everybody who works for Jump for the Rose is not paid. They're 100% volunteers. So th- they are giving everything back is to a Is it brand cause. new 2016 Jeep Patriot? Patriot. Man, I got it right. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting decent I own a Jeep, but I have no clue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Jump for the Rose. Uh, another thing about Marion that I have to mention, um, you use Amazon, Nick. Yeah, Amazon Smile, I think, is what you're about to bring up. Yeah, how do, do you use smile.amazon.com? I, I, I don't honestly shop on Amazon very much. Yeah, but uh, most of what I buy online is just expensive camera equipment from, like, B&H. Dude, you should check prices on Amazon sometimes. B&H is almost always beating everybody. Dude, uh, for a few things I bought now, I haven't been buy- buying stuff as nice as you. Uh, I've gotten better prices on for some of this audio equipment from Amazon over B&H. I've used both for some of it. Uh, B&H on that mixer board was definitely much better. They were the way to go. Um, but tell me tell me about Amazon Smile. Um, go to smile.amazon.com on your computer, on your browser, on your phone. Sign in from there and only shop from there. Don't use the app on your phone. When you go to smile.amazon.com, it does that all the time, Justin. It's fine. It's still running. Yeah, I bet. I, yeah it's not working on my uh, laptop. Is it not? Let me see. Um, when you go to smile.amazon.com, uh, you pick a charity of your choice, and there's tons of charities out there. Jump for the Rose is the one you're going to pick. You don't have any options. Um, pick Jump for the Rose, and I think 0.01% of the proceeds go to the charity. So you don't pay more as an Amazon user. The uh, vendor doesn't get charged it anymore. Amazon gives 
0.1% or something like that of your post of your purchase. So uh, this year, 400 some odd dollars has been raised plus or minus. I think it might be 380, 420, somewhere in that range. A raise for Jump for the Rose through people shopping on smile.amazon.com. So long story, but it's man, oh, it's awesome. I mean, it's awesome that that it even exists. You know, yeah. My uh, my sister uses it. I don't think she actually has chose Jump for the Rose as her or her play her um her uh her what's that called organization organization. Yep, that's it. Um, and that's because she's silly, but uh, she actually picked. I, I pretty sure a really good one. I, I know where she's got a, a heart of gold. Um, a horrible brother, but a heart of gold. So <laughs> she's good to go. Um, so go to it. Are you uh, doing anything at the boogie? Mini boogie? Uh, I mean, I usually shoot some video for him. What what weekend is the boogie? Uh, not this coming weekend. The weekend after that. Yep. So in a week and a half from now. Okay, yeah, there's an angle camp going on that weekend. Yes. That I'll be shooting video for them and uh, just around the drop zone for Jump for the Rose. Yeah. Norm Kent will be in town shooting video for the whole event. Um, I didn't get a hold of Norman time to ask him to be on the show again. Um, one of these points, I'll talk to him about it. Um, yeah, I'd love to have that guy on the show. He's a fucking genius. Um, as you know, we're working on mobile setups, so maybe doing them at the drop zone would be useful. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a super friendly guy. I bet he'd come here. Oh yeah, he would. Um, just the timing. I'd have to. We'd have to work it out. Um, dude, mobile sets. You saw what I did with Thomas the other day. Yeah. Um, uh, how did uh, how did the quality and everything come out, dude? The, so I just used the fucking mic on this because I I didn't have the new mic packs, um, but everything worked out good. But Thomas, man, he's he's a fun interview. I interviewed him for LMB. Uh, LMB's doing like five to ten minute, no, excuse me, ten to twenty minute feeds once a month um, on the LMB Facebook page. Uh, if you don't like the LMB Facebook page, you should really check it out. Um, in December, we're going to give away some free prizes. I say we. They made me the host for them for some dumb reason. <laughs> um, giving away like Protract 2s, Aries 2s, things like that. I can't tell you what the prizes are for December yet because I don't know. I'm not keeping a secret. I don't know. Um, it's probably because I haven't picked them yet. So convince me what to pick and maybe we will. Speaking of prizes, aren't there a whole bunch of those happening at the uh, film festival? Oh, man. You know, nothing big. Just like a GoPro 6 and an Aries 2 and what? a Pro Track 2 and a free custom jersey and 20% off a rig and 30% off of a helmet. You know, just, you know, six free jumps. You know what I was supposed to do last Wednesday? Give a tutorial seminar to a bunch of ladies about video editing so they could uh, put in some entries for the film festival. You know what happened? They didn't show up. They canceled on me. You know what I'm supposed to be doing tomorrow? Same thing. Same thing. You know what happened? They canceled, canceled on, on me. <laughs> who, who are these ladies? Are you going to throw them under the bus? Uh, Savannah Sims is the one who's organizing everything. Uh-huh. I know her, Kim Smith, uh, Brooke. What's Canadian Brooke's last name? Uh, Dawson. Dawson, yeah. I'm guessing Yvonne is in this mix. I don't know. I just know it's a ladies' night featuring me teaching them how to edit. <laughs> so. Nick and five ladies in video. Brown chicken, brown cow. Who knows what's going to happen? Watch out, Especially Sam. Especially considering that I invited Sam so I wouldn't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, come protect me from this horde of women. So, uh, yeah, I really, I was super excited to teach them all how to edit, but now they're saying the soonest that they can all get together is October 17th. And I'm going to say, hey, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> You're not going to make a video in three days. It's film, film festival quality. Come on now. I mean, wait. Maybe. Yeah, the film festival quality part I think is ap- appropriate. Maybe, 
because I saw a couple of videos made in less than three days uh, on the last round of videos between the two places. Did but you uh, see Scott Latinus's video? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. I felt bad because Scott... All you have to do is fall off an airplane. Scott <laughs> enjoyed putting that video entry in. Mm-hmm. And then when he saw everybody else's entry, he's like, oh, shit. This stuff is real. <laughs> I don't think he realized what was about to happen. You know, Marion asked me if she could enter the last Jump for the Rose event video. Uh-huh. And I, I told her that I wasn't allowed to compete, which I think is, is uh, an appropriate rule. Inappropriate? I, no, or I, I think it's an appropriate uh, rule. Uh, just because I, I, th- I feel, I think like the film festival idea, I think was a mutual idea between sure, you and I, yes. right? So I feel like if I was part of creating uh, <laughs> a, a, a festival, like, so I, I'm going to make this thing so I can go beat everybody. <laughs> That's an arrogant way to talk about it, but I don't think it would be fair. And especially that I get paid to to build videos. I don't think it's fair. Particularly skydiving videos. But uh, is the rule, there's a rule that it can't be previously released content. Is that right? Are we sticking to that rule? Um, we've never officially made that statement or announcement, but yes. It, we don't want something that's been previously aired, previously shown. Um, there's no doubt because that uh, announcement wasn't majorly made, I don't think. Justin, if you turn around and look at that banner behind you and see if that rule is on there in the info or details, we'll know It's for probably sure. not, but I mean, just as a matter of common sense, like, hey, we're going to debut your film at the film festival. Nope, so if there's something it. cool or surprising or neat or awesome about your video, it's going to get the reaction when people see it for the first time at the film festival. So. And I'm posting them all on Vimeo and sharing them on Vimeo. So the Gravity Lab page is going to share these regularly. Um, We we don't want these videos for our own purposes only, dude. I want to fucking share these. Oh, dude. Dude, have you seen literal Bohemian Rhapsody? Uh, I think you mentioned this either earlier today or yesterday. Oh, my God, yesterday. Have you not seen this? Dude, Google literal Bohemian Rhapsody. Stop what the fuck you're doing. Pull your fucking car over right now. Don't do this while you're driving. And watch literal Bohemian Rhapsody. There was a guy who did a few music videos uh, in the same literal sense, but he just did like shitty animation in Microsoft Paint. This dude does high-quality movie production bullshit, dude. It, it, it's pretty fucking legit. Um, what's the name of the channel, Justin? You're pulling it up right now, I think. What's the name of that channel? Corridor. Corridor. And, dude, Nick, you got to check out this group, Corridor. You got to check out their um, their videos. They have all sorts of cool fucking videos, all sorts of cheesy shit. I think you would totally fucking dig this YouTube page, man. It's entertaining content. The film, the filmography, the directing, the editing. I just think you would have fun and want to do some projects. So turn it up a little bit on the on the on the thingamajigger, on the on the board. Right there is fine. You know, the hardest part about me doing cool video projects like this is finding people who are willing to be in front of the camera and to be silly. So turn up some. Oh jeez. Up a little bit more. Any way the wind blows. It doesn't really matter to me. So if you're listening to this, man, it's literally they're acting out. No, this I is have a movie seen scene. this. Now, now that now that I'm watching it, I have seen it. And this is why we're not on YouTube, Waz, because we get kicked off YouTube Mama. for sharing YouTube channels. <laughs> I just killed a man. Put a gun against his head. Pulled my trigger. Now he's dead. Mama. Mama. If it just begun, now I'm. Gone and thrown it all away. 
<laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah that's that's it. it is fucking phenomenal. But the real reason I bring it up is, A, go fucking watch it. Pull over. <laughs> fucking Google Literal Bohemian Rhapsody. Watch it. It's phenomenal. Nick, dude, you got to check out Corridor's YouTube channel. Um, a, I think with the goofy shit that you like to do, with the goofy shit that we've done with Gravity Lab Radio, we can find some friends who will help you with these projects. We know we got Carlos. Yeah, yeah, Carlos would always participate. Hank? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'll help. Justin? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, you put it together. I'll do the stupidest thing you ask me to do as long as it won't hurt me. All right. So um, I'm not going to eat. We're not going to go fear factor on you. Sweet. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, man, crazy. Dude, Waz, that's something that stood out. Um, uh, Waz. Oh, yeah, so you were a guest on Waz's podcast. Yeah, shout out dude. to Waz. Shout out, shout out, to, shout the out mighty, to the mighty, mighty. mighty. Yeah. Um, Waz, man, so he, in the back of his mind, like a lot of us, he thought, man, I want to start a podcast one day. And then he uh, came on Gravity Lab Radio, and he's like, fuck it, dude, I'm going to start a podcast. So he started Wazzy Circus Radio. He's 22, 24 shows deep right now. Um, only five, I think, have been released. So uh, we talked a little bit about strategy. We've talked about production. He's, he's got some advice from me. And, and one of the things that his goal now is, and I told him, man, you, you've got to start releasing these shows weekly. We did six in the can before we launched on a podcast because we wanted to give people things to do while we were producing. And, and it's at some point the conversations become irrelevant. Like, you know, you can listen to this conversation two months from now. We both do that with a lot of the podcasts we listen to. But there's always a loss of relevance somewhere in the conversation. So I, I really, he's trying to catch up. But through one show, one to two hours, um, usually he does one hour. Excuse me. Uh, he's done two. Um, did two with me. I'm like, so Gravity Lab Radio just blend over to you? <laughs> um, uh, like 400 gig of video is what he told me he gets for one show. But they have two or three cameras going on. It's $15,000 worth of equipment. Um, it, it's a super dope setup there in a TV studio. Um, so, Wazzy Circus Radio, it was fun. It was different. Other side of the... Uh, what was it like being the guest on a podcast? Dude, it was fun to, to come and watch everybody deal with everything and just sit there. You know, we bring guests into our show, and they sit there and watch us do our last-minute figure things out right but if there's a problem it becomes your problem pretty quick yeah <laughs> um and they kind of are sitting there lost it's common our guests sit here for the first five minutes and go what the fuck are these guys doing man what's going on um i'm sitting there just enjoying it well i said it was the most natural beginning because he's like you have a podcast you know what to do let's go um it, it was very releasing before we started, uh, Waz, I'm throwing you under the bus. Um, I did it on a show, so I'm not still showing anything new. He's like, hey, yo, let me practice my intro real quick. And he gets the mics, and I was like, oh, yo, yo, Wazzy, and goes through this whole fucking quick thing. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm getting my intro. I'm like, fuck that. Just go live, man. Just just put it out there. Just just be you. You're fine. No, I got to practice. Bro. I'm like, oh, I no. got you. He was practicing starting <laughs> yeah. the show. Okay. Yeah. He was doing his intro. Wanted to do it two or three times. I'm like, the fuck rehearsal, man. And uh, he's like, fuck it, fuck it, let's go live. We'll do it live. And he crushed it. He did a great job. Who is that? There was a, god damn it, never mind. Yeah. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, there's a famous clip of him shouting, fuck it, we'll do it live. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Um, he, he crushed the intro, dude. It was a lot of fun. Um, very back to unique. Um, he takes notes the whole time. 
because he's post-publishing the shows, he wants show notes to be able to feed into the descriptions. Um, some podcasts do this thing that I don't like to do, and in the show notes, they tell you at what time they talk about what topics. We don't have that kind. We don't have that kind of structure. It's not going to work for us. Um, he's that's the kind of structure he's putting into it. Um, so he's got notes, um, copious notes. Dude, he sent me an email. Hey, what's your text or what's your uh, text message? What's your phone number? Here it is. I get a text message five minutes later. Uh, you're gonna be a guest on Gua, uh, Wazi Circus. Here's the address. Click here for this link. Fill out this questionnaire, like questionnaire, uh, like ten, twelve questions long. That so he knows a little bit more about me. I did answer. You'll have to figure that out on the show. <laughs> uh, you know my style. Let's go. I mean, it's a, it's a good approach. Oh, it's like a great if, approach. If you wanted to be prepared for a guest, I think it's yeah. a great idea. Yeah, and uh, I think he knew me well enough that he didn't need it as much. Um, but uh, I think it also took him down some roads I don't think we would ever hit. You know, well, where's my background? Where did I grow up? What state did I grow up in? And you know where I grew up, I think. Indiana? No. What? Oh, wait, no, San Diego. No, so yeah, a military brat. I but never. you did live in both of these places, right? Yes. Okay. I came here from Indiana. I moved to Indiana when I was 27 and lived there till I was 31, 30. I lived there for five, four years, something like that. Um, San Diego for 10 years, but it was every seven months to three years, four years after, before that. A military brat all over. So you've heard me talk about, lived, grew up in Japan, grew guess, up in yeah, Hawaii, we, Tennessee, Alabama. I grew up in Alabama. Alabama in the, man, that was rough, I bet. I grew up in Alabama in the 80s. What's the most racist thing you got called in Alabama? Um, uh, man, you know, the most racist thing I've gotten called is probably... Anything from Nip, Jap, Chink. Uh, nip? Nip, yeah. So Nip was a World War II, uh, more known World War II. So Nipponese, Nippon. Nippon is Jap- Japan and Japanese. Uh, Nipponese is Japanese and Japanese. Um, so calling a Jap bastard a Nip was also a, a racial slur. So when you say it's getting nippy in here, you look at me and I'm like, Because, <laughs> you know, I take that joke really offensively. Um what but, if it was cold and I said you're totally nipping right now? Dude, uh, I can't help myself, man. That's how I was born. Um, <laughs> as a kid in Tennessee and Alabama, we would play the A-team in the playground because, you know, I was first through third, fourth grade, something like that. I mean, dude, I Did was... Did you a, have a fucking Alabama accent dude, when you were a little kid? When I, growing up, when I moved to Japan and Hawaii, I realized that I was a lazy motherfucker when I talked. So coming to Texas, the Southern draw came back very naturally because my sister and I grew up around it. Um... In school, when we play A team, and you know that that age, I was always Mr. T because we're the cl- I'm the closest thing to a black guy we got. I'm not <laughs> kidding, dude. I was told that more. You're closest thing to a black guy we got. You're Mr. T. I'm like, that could be worse. Let's go. <laughs> I'm the big badass tough dude with a mohawk, is what I thought. So I wanted to be the dude who flew airplanes. That's who I wanted to be. Um, I forget how we got through all of that. Oh, Wazi Circus. So. Check it out. If you're ever in Austin, he invites you. Um, go do it. Up to you. But it's a good time. He'll feed you uh, some monkey shoulder if you want. Make sure you got some water in you if you need. Um, sits there with his wife and his two kids in the studio. It, they're in another room playing on their iPads while we're shooting the shit the whole time. Has it like a soundproof booth sort of set up? Oh, dude, no. This is a fucking... Uh, I, I don't know if I told you this. It's a um, it's a, it's a, public, it's a t- public television, public access television studio. So he shows me, we're in studio number three. Let me show you, this is the editing room, and fucking a dozen Macs in the room all set up for editing. 
this is another production room where you see all sorts of old school production kind of stuff going on. Hey, this is um, Studio One. Dude, we could set up a full new station set in Studio One. It's not going to be the biggest, but we could have an anchor desk here, a weather station over there, a news reporter over uh, a, a, a little corner for a sports reporter, and you'd never know. It, it's a big size. Like That's where he's going to have his release party. At some point, he's going to have a party with all his guests. And, dude, it's a huge room. The mid-size room, uh, he says he's put bands in there before and let bands play. Um, you could set up a full band in there, no problem. Um, they're not going to be moving around a lot. Um, studio, each studio has their own production booth. Studio three, the producer sits in the room with you. About the corner we're in right now, nah, it's, it's shallower. It's It's... I could smack his wife anytime I needed to, <laughs> so um, he could kick me anytime he needed to. But it wasn't tight. We that, but we were at distance to each other. Um, they had everything, man: soundboard, video editing equipment in there. You name it, it was there. All the walls were uh, soundproofed in some way or the other. It, it's a high quality setup. So, pretty cool place. Sweet. Yeah, there's a place right next to it called uh, Eat at the Quickie Pick or something like that. So, yeah, where's there near to eat, uh, uh, Waz? I, I got to eat on my way there. Yeah, eat at the Quickie Pick, or it named a few other places. Sounds like a very inexpensive brothel. It, yeah, man. <laughs> it just didn't sound like a good place to eat, but it, the other place I went to, Franklin's Barbecue, uh, heard great things about them, was closed for a private event. Fuck it, going back to the Quickie Pick or Quickie Stop or Picky Quick or some, whatever the name was. And from the outside, it looks like just a little dirty diner. Um, walk in, and it's half of a small grocery store um, carrying a lot of hipster bullshit. The stuff you eat and drink, that's what they had, dude. Oh, perfect. Let's go. Kombucha, <laughs> Epic Bars, One Bars. Dude, I, I was in heaven. I was good to go. I actually did a little shopping. I'm like, oh, I need a couple more of these. I'm good to go. The other half, uh, all sorts of tacos and burgers and fucking legit food dude i go there 100 percent recommend it it's fucking awesome um so yeah that was my trip i think i'm done with san marcos now oh i gotta go back into the month for a canopy course so how often will the uh, rating center be offering courses in san marcos <sighs> God damn. is that a big question right now it is man it, it is so uh the rating center we're going to open uh not we are going to open we are opening um a san marcos campus October 19th, 20, and 21st, Hank is going to be teaching the inaugural coach course at that location. Hank's an old San Marcos jumper as far as he's worked there 20 times. Um, And so I thought, what better person to throw the first course there than a homeboy? And then at the end of the month, I'm going to throw a canopy course. Um, I'm going to start with canopy courses there every other month. And as soon as the uh, supply demands it, I'm going to go to every month. And that means right away, if right away is the immediate demand, we'll see after this month. Um, in Houston, I do uh, one a month guaranteed, and then I usually plug in two to three extras every two to three months. So I, we're averaging somewhere between 25 and 28 canopy courses a year right now in Houston. Um, probably get to about 12 a year, just a monthly for now in San Marcos. A canopy course, or coach course, probably quarterly, um, but... I gotta, I, I gotta find staff. I gotta find examiners and coaches to work there. So are the are these all basic canopy courses that we? I would imagine all those numbers are basic canopy courses. 
um, advanced canopy courses I really respect and love. Um, I might start offering them that way in the near future. Um, the reason I don't like them is, and they're not a big deal, um, is I will only do anything advanced one-on-one coaching so it's completely customized to the jumper. Um, I love basic can- or advanced canopy courses. I love the structure. Most drop zones don't get canopy coaches all the time. So they do a course to cater to as many people as possible at once. And uh, Flight One is a perfect example of a company who has just mastered a good system. Their advanced courses are phenomenal. They, they cater to as many people as once as possible. Everybody's going to walk away with a lot of great information. But I love that tailored teaching one-on-one scenario. So I've, I've always done that. Um, now we have three campuses, which means I have uh, right now four canopy coaches, and I'm looking at adding number five, and number four just got added. Um, so I think to provide the coaches more structure, I need to start going to advanced courses because they don't have the same background and structure that I have to be able to work in a tailored environment. So uh, doing about 90 days of canopy coaching a year beyond canopy courses right now. I never, the rating center was the wrong name for my company Um, because we do everything, not, not because ratings isn't what we do. We do a shitload of rating stuff too. So uh, figuring it out, man. It's it's I'm I'm in a very rough time right now, worn out because I'm doing so many things at once. Um, but fucking great place to be, man. Very happy. It's always better to be too busy than not busy enough. Yes, sir. And I got a vacation coming up soon, so I where are you going? Um, just for three days. Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The f- two weeks from now is the uh, 10th year anniversary of incorporation of the rating center. Started the rating center, I've uh, been an examiner a bit longer, but went full-time examiner in October of 2018 and incorporated in the middle of the month. So uh, taking all the examiners and their significant others to a house at Lake Travis, two nights, um, six-bedroom joint, big pool in the back, not big pool, but good-sized pool in the backyard, jacuzzi, hot tub, fire pit, barbecue gonna cook some tri-tip for dinner for him one night pool table bar inside the house and we're just gonna fucking party where that's why i didn't do october (laughs) you know rogan just started it and that was my goal but i'm like fuck no dude i just spent this much money on a party house i'm sorry got it from a vrbo and it's not a party it is a company retreat (laughs) (laughs) um and you know the people who are going it's not going to be a raging party it's a bunch of people going to put their feet up and relax. Um, but that's what we're doing. So Waz offered to bring his little ski boat over and hang out with us for the day. Cool. So, yeah, I haven't been on his boat. He's invited me out on that boat, but yeah. uh, it looks looks like fun. I'm going to call him out because he's like, he saw where we're staying. He goes, oh, that's like at least an hour and a half fucking boat ride. Measured it on Google Earth today. If you're going 25 miles an hour, it's a 20-minute ride. So come on, Waz. I'll pay for that fuel, bro. You can take a 20-minute boat ride just to come hang out with my, with my friends. Help me out. He's not listening. <laughs> I don't think he is. Speaking of listening, <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of uh, Jordan Peterson recently. Uh, downloaded his book, uh, 12 Rules for Life. Yes. It's been a pretty interesting read so far. Kind of a lot of... Uh, there are a lot of challenges in his book. Of like He's calling a lot of people out on a lot of things. And I feel like with... Uh, he's definitely not a hypocrite in the way that he asks people to do these things and he's definitely someone who owns up to his own shortcomings in life when it, uh you know when it, when a point comes up and he can cite something in his own life that 
where he falls short. He's usually the sort of person that that does that. But uh, one one thing that he said that I felt called out by was that he doesn't uh, or he challenges people to set goals of like set clear goals. Like if you don't set goals, how do you know if you're achieving? How do you know if you're uh, progressing? How do you know if you're you're moving in the right direction if you don't have clear defined goals? So I. Uh, like what kind of goals are you t- talking about for you? That's and that's kind of where I'm at. Is like God, I need to think of some goals. Like the the only really clear goal I have right now that's like a super measurable goal is I want to flip that motherfucking tire all down the run the, all the way down the runway from one end to the other. Yeah, so it's 415 flips of the tire is what the math says to get Jeez. it from one side to the other. So what's how many can, times can you flip it in a row right now? Well, I'm I, I'm still gonna it's gonna be sets. Like I'm gonna have to break it up. Like it's I don't think it's feasible to flip that thing. 415 times in a row without, without Unless you're having David a rest period. Goggins. No, David Goggins <laughs> couldn't flip that tire, I don't think. He, he flipped a tire for a mile, a tire that was half the size. How many how many uh, flips do you do right now? Uh, a, a usual workouts between 150 and 200. Okay. But I'm not dead at the end of it. I've done I've done 300. Mm-hmm. I could have done another 100 if you put a gun to my head. So I know, I know that I'm capable of doing it. I'm really just trying to find uh I made a, a, a promo video. It's a Goodyear tire, right? So mm-hmm. I made a promo video and sent this to Goodyear, trying <laughs> to say, like, hey, will you sponsor this and raise money for this veterans organization? And we'll make a video out of it and promote Goodyear. That's kind of a combination of a few different things. I talked to AJ about it at round three and said, hey, would you guys put this on your channel if we made it? And so I sent this to Goodyear last week and I uh, haven't heard anything yet. And there's a good chance I'm just going to end up flipping the tire for the sake of flipping the tire and Maybe a few friends high-five me at the end. I don't know. It might boil down to, to something like that. But uh, I thought it would be fun to to make a video. So this this was my... I feel like I've mentioned this to you before. I feel like I've maybe I talked about it on the show. But um, I want to... So it's connecting uh, Veterans Day. So I, I get asked this, and this is how I imagine the video starting, is me talking about how often I get asked if I'm in the military. And I think it's because I have a like a sharp looking haircut and I have camo on my, on some of my gear. So people ask me a lot at work, Hey, were you in the military? Not anymore. I was never in the military. The camo. Yeah. Not anymore. No shit. I'm so excited to put that thing aside. Uh, anyway, um, but that's kind of the start of the video. Hey, I get asked a lot if I was ever in the military. I wasn't yada, yada, yada. My brother is a Marine and, um, talk a little bit about what it's like to see someone that you love serve in the military and come back a different person mm-hmm. and have a hard time getting back to, to regular life. And this is really how I found out about this group is having a conversation like this with my brother. It's called the Semper Fi Fund, where they raise money for um, people coming back with you know crazy injuries or PTSD or what, whatever it is, whatever you have from, from serving in the war. They're going to help you and your, your family financially or otherwise. And so, yeah, I made this video, sent a good year. Hey, I'm trying to raise money for this organization. This is why. This is my connection to the military. This is why I want to raise this money. Make a video. Time out. Just try whatever you got to try, Justin. If it's on the air or not, who cares? The audio's getting out there. But, uh, yeah, uh, and then I wanted to couple it with really shitty puns, <laughs> like about tires, you know? Like, oh, my God. This is so tiring. <laughs> Oh my god! And uh, yeah, just ter- terrible, terrible dad jokes the whole time. I-, I don't know how I get from serious, sentimental about my brother and about you know PTSD in the military <laughs> to making fucking super shitty tire pun jokes. But uh, I could get there. 
But that's the idea that I had to make this video. But uh, that that may or may not happen. How soon do you think you're gonna flip this tire? Oh, probably middle of this month. Middle of this month. I um, dude, the dad jokes brought me up and made me think of something. And uh, just launch a second one. Don't even worry about labeling it's, it or whatever. It's still alive. Okay. The fucking page ref- keeps refreshing for some reason. Oh, then. I've had this happen before where it's it so closes weird. the window. Try try clicking yeah try clicking on that thumbnail. See if that gets you back into the into the live screener viewer thingy. Yeah. Um, it's still on my laptop running. Go. So yeah. God, it's so fucking weird. That's so weird, man. <laughs> we're having Facebook Live technical issues, if anyone's uh, curious what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah, Facebook Live. Really now I'm in like a totally different view. It's foreign. It's so weird. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I don't know. Um, dude, flipping tires. Sorry. Uh, but that's a clear goal for me. Yes. As I will know when I have achieved this goal. And it came up just by accident. Rob came in after hearing me, you know, he lives in the trailer park and he heard me flipping the tire. It makes an obnoxious noise when it falls over. <laughs> and he asked me how many times I thought it would take to flip it down the runway. And like an asshole, I was, I, I was kidding when I said, if it's less than a thousand, we'll do it. And I said, we'll do it. <laughs> like me and you will do it. That's not going to happen. Just you. I'm going to do it. I, uh, th- that would be cool, man. Any other goals then? I mean, goals really. I mean, I, I want to work on my flying, but that's not clear, right? Like, I want to, I want to get, I want to start doing more. I have been doing low speed stuff in the tunnel, but not very much. I've only been in the tunnel uh-huh. once every few weeks. So, and I want to start doing more freestyle stuff. I want to work more on upright flying, but it's like those are pretty broad, you know. I haven't written that down and defined what success looks like for that goal. Like, I could say, oh, I want to be part of uh, an upright big way of X or more people, and write that down and make that a goal. But I just haven't, you know, I haven't haven't made clear goals and uh jimmy who's going to be on the show next week right mm-hmm. uh mr win i guess you weren't there when um there was a connect not connecting the dots the next step yeah. seminar the other day bah. part of the mentor program and jimmy spoke a little bit and uh, i didn't listen to really any part of that uh, <laughs> not I, I listened to the very beginning i got busy but then when i heard jimmy was speaking i came back just to listen Okay. To him talk because he's someone who has excelled really quickly in skydiving. And this is what I, I asked Jimmy about goal setting. I said, so how clear are you when you set a goal? And he talked about having a vision board. Do you know what that is? I do. So a vision yeah. board, for anyone that doesn't know, is you put up things, you know, images that look like your version of, of success, of goals that you have. So he said that, uh, you know, even <laughs> I kind of made fun of him a little bit. I felt bad. He's like, yeah, and like I, with exercise and working out, I put up pictures of people that look how i want to look and i was like you mean you had a board of a bunch of fucking naked jacked guys in your room <laughs> like <laughs> just kind of forgetting who i was i i could ask that question of most of my <laughs> friends and there wouldn't be any you know but because jimmy's sweet little jimmy was like yeah of course he's got that whatever <laughs> but um and cats <laughs> and cats <laughs> he had picture of cats dude when but, i asked jimmy to be here i'm like i got cats <laughs> So anyways, Jimmy's vision board. Yeah, but I, I just, I mean, th- these are just things that have made me feel challenged to define my goals and define what I, you know, how will I know when I'm successful? I, I asked uh, Steve Sr. to have a meeting with me too, so I'll chat with him about, hey, like, what, what does successful look like to you? Like, what is Nick doing his job well? What does that look like? How do we measure this? How do I know that I'm contributing as much as I can? Man, one of the most interesting things that happened to me in my skydiving career is is some some sponsors and some manufacturers say, sure, you're sponsored and give you a discount or hook you up with or do whatever they do. And some put a big contract in front of you. And, and big doesn't necessarily mean size, but big means weighty. You know, some of them require uh, 
various things. And one manufacturer uh, wants a uh, quarterly report of what you're doing. And uh, not every athlete and not every uh, group will actually give that quarterly report. Some do it in a various form or another. Um, and, and some don't do it at all. And I'll tell you, usually the groups that do it have longevity with that sponsor. Um, you know me, I'm a nerd. So I do a straight up quarterly fucking, here's my, here's a report. Um, because of what I do is tangible. There's metrics to what I do. I report on numbers, et cetera, et cetera. And it's turned into the first quarter and last quarter is always at end of the year and a beginning of the year report. And uh, at some point I was even asked at the beginning, like, what, where it's your goal in the next two years for your company? And so now every year I report and, and I actually do a larger report and I write it for me. This is what I did this year. And then these are my goals and my outlook for next year. And then during the first quarter, I actually write down those goals. I, I put them down as an idea, and I put them down as a solid statement afterwards. And so it it's helped me a lot with the Rating Center. I'm sure you've noticed um, I've grown over the years. But I don't know if you've noticed this last year. There's been, um, not just because of Space Land San Marcos, but there's been an explosion in the Rating Center in the last two years. And it's not been by accident. Um, definitely surrounded by great people. That, that's that been wonderful. Uh, Aaron coming to Houston. Mr. Fidala doing what he does. Uh, Hank, they're just surrounded by a lot of great people. But the goals of growth, is, really it helped me a lot to, to put these things in writing. So write your own business report. You know, what's that stupid thing they call them? Um, mission statements. I, they're not stupid, but you know what I'm saying. No, and I read uh, Simon Sinek's Start With Why, mm-hmm. and there's a whole worksheet that goes along with kind of finding your why. Mm-hmm. And that's great to me. That's super motivational of like, yeah, keep keep in mind what made you start doing this, aside from the paycheck that you're getting at the end of the month, aside from what, whatever it is that, you, that you're getting out of it now. Why, what made you start doing this? And those are thoughts that I really connect with, but most of... Most of the areas that I've had a lot of success, mm-hmm. like my relationship with iFly or my current position at Spaceland, like I didn't plan that stuff. Like I just chased what I liked mm-hmm. and did a, a decent job of it. And then someone was like, hey, we want you to do more of that. Here's some money in exchange. And it's like, fuck yeah, like this is this is great. Sweet. And I worry like uh, I just don't want to pigeon my whole, or pigeonhole myself into something that... Uh, would close me off to other opportunities of like, hey, I don't have time to do that because I said I'm going to do this. Um, yeah. So I guess it's just a, a process of giving it some thought of like, okay, well, how, how do I not shut myself off to new opportunities? Because I'm someone, I like to say yes to most things. Mm-hmm. When someone says, hey, can you do this? Often begrudgingly, but I will almost always say, yes, I, I can do that. Yeah, I'm super busy, but I'm going to make time and figure this out. We're going to do this, whatever. Um, and I feel like that's something that, uh, I don't even know where I heard this, but it's, uh, something along the lines of most people don't chase opportunities because they're disguised as hard work. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, any, anytime someone presents you with an idea, a thing that you can do, there's a really good chance that that is, you know, that's opportunity right there. It's like opportunities don't just fall in your lap as these perfect developed things. A, a, A chance falls in your lap. And if you do a good job of of chasing it now now you're creating opportunity for yourself right yeah but uh or maybe i'm just making all this stuff up to yeah. just justify why i don't need to to write my goals down so and what you say makes a little sense to me because the rating center kind of just happened um i became an examiner 
I have more opportunities to, to be an examiner. I finally realized, well, wait a minute, I can just do this for a living instead, which has a larger impact on the sport. And I like working for me. I like being the boss. Not I don't like being the boss because I didn't plan to have anybody working for me besides me. I like the fact that I can fuck off for two weeks and that's my problem. Or if I work for three straight weeks, that's my fault. Nobody dictates what I do except the customer, so everybody else but me. Um, but that was my decision to, to make. And so it fell into my lap. And at some point, um, I, I actually got picked up by this manufacturer after the rating center was an established thing. I picked up a lot of my sponsors in the sport super, super late. Um, Infinity and I have go back to the late 90s, and that is one of the uh, Firefly as well. And Firefly is now long gone. So those are only the really the only two manufacturers I've carried for a, a substantial amount of time. Um, this other company picked me up while I was the rating center, and they're the ones who got me to say, hey, stop and think about a mission statement. They didn't say it that way. Their, their request of a, a, a report made me go back and say, wait a minute. Um, I th I've mentioned to you uh, um, Living the Dream by Ka Guy Kawasaki, and that really helped me envision the dream of how I present my company. You know, people buy the newest iPhone because it's Apple, not because an iPhone's a good product. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but there's a lot of people who are just fanboys. And so it helped me envision what I want with a rating center um, and, and how I don't want somebody to book with the rating center because of me or anybody else. That's egotistical. An entity has no ego. A person by far has an ego, no matter how big or small. And then if you book, hey, I want to book a course with DJ Marvin, and then you get Hank, you're going to be disappointed. Until you work with Hank, and then you're going to be super fucking happy. So I don't want anybody to book coursing courses with names for egos. I want them to show up to a company, to an entity, to say like, oh my God, I'm here for, for the rating center. These are some really cool folks. Um, so now I had to suddenly understand branding of, of my dream and my goal, and I wanted people to see what I saw. And chasing the dream, or excuse me, uh, we make dreams come true, or making dreams come true is part of what we say. Um, from there, writing down goals, writing down that long-term goal. Um, and then I got stuck where you got stuck. Is my long-term goal only going to be shoehorned into I'm an examiner now? Is my long-term goal only going to make me stuck in skydiving now? So my long-term goal became I want to help affect others' lives. Excuse me, I want to help people effectively communicate with others, and I also want to affect other people's lives in a positive manner. And I really feel like the Rating Center does that pretty well. And, and again, I don't mean me. I mean Hank. I mean Valerie. I mean Aaron. They all do. Um, but the Rating Center fulfills that. As you know, I've gone out to Louisiana and worked with McNeese State University and wrote uh, some curriculum for them for an instructor development course for law enforcement training. Um, that fits in my goal. That fits in my long-term, big-term goal without being shoehorned in the skydiving. Um, I have a couple other opportunities working outside the sport here and there with education. Um, the idea of teaching teaching um, um, educational principles to specific um, goddamn jobs, occupations. Um, a couple other things are coming up and, and those goals. So what you're saying makes sense. You feel like I just kind of got lucky here. But sit back and actually go, what do I want to do? I, I don't know, but I look at you, and I want you to watch these goddamn corridor videos. Couldn't think of their name. Uh, because it's so much fun. And I watch how much fun you have producing a video. 
I watch how much fun you have producing a fun video. Like when you produce a really kick-ass video for Spaceland, um, Matthew, dude, you remember Matthew. One that makes you cry, one that touches the fucking heart, man. You really, really emotionally enjoy that. And then you go make looking to build or you go make your um, Super Bowl commercial. You have so much fun. So I could envision you making videos like this corridor group, making more parody videos within skydiving of the real world um, and how that can launch to other things like YouTube and other videos. So you can write some mission statement like this, some goals like this, and then say, wait a minute, how do I get to those goals? I like the thought of skydiving being a parody to the real world. Dude, for, <laughs> man, that would be awesome. Set up those short-term goals. Well, for me to get there, I need to do this. Well, for me to get there, I need to do this. For me to get there and reverse engineer your goals. So then you now know next month I need to be able to produce this really cool video that I want to produce. Next year, I need to make sure I've produced this video. By five years from now, I want to have this is way too long-term if you really wanted to produce a YouTube channel. I have a YouTube channel going. And um, you remember SMART goals from your coach course? Gosh, it's been a little while. Make sure short-term goals are specific. They're measurable. Measurable, yep. They're attainable, something you accomplish mm -hmm. in a, it, without... If they're too hard, you'll give up. If they're too easy, they'll mean nothing. So attainable, something in the middle. Uh, relevant, is it relevant to your long-term goal? It may not be directly relevant, but it might be a branch that you need to get there. And can you accomplish it in a timely fashion? Specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, timely. Love those acronyms. Um, now, we don't get it just in the coach course. Use it. I learned it in sales years ago first. Um, smart goals. Make sure your goal is smart. And, you know, I'm, I'm honestly not doubting my ability to reach a goal. I think I'm just at a point where I, ju I just need to decide what my goals are. Like, I, I don't doubt my ability yeah. to get myself to wherever it is I decide to Meet go. Meet for a month. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> that was great. That was great. It was challenging. It was fun. I learned some stuff. Um, got to put a lot of meat in your mouth. Yeah, fuck yeah. I got really <laughs> good at cooking steak, man. Man, I hope you find Real your goals because you got some fucking definite skill sets that I love to see you use, man. And I don't care what your goals are. And, you know, and I'm using them right now. Like I get yeah. to make cool things for, you know, I finished a video today for Spaceland, working on something for them and, and for iFly tomorrow. And it's like, yeah, I, I really enjoy doing that. I, I, I like making play buttons. I really do. What's that mean? Making a play, making a video where that you can play. Okay, like creating a play button on someone else's screen. Okay. Making a play button. Uh, is that a common term? I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> that, that's <laughs> a Nick. Yeah, I think. Okay, that's just how I th think of it. You know. Okay. Of like, like today when I sent you that video for Bo's Memorial, I made that play button. That play button that you clicked, I made that. I made that button. I exist, thought right? that was okay. You made it exist. Yeah. You didn't make the button on the screen. That's part of the program. No, I didn't build YouTube or Dropbox <laughs> or anything. <laughs> but I gave that play button a reason to uh, exist, I guess. That makes sense. And I made it in that sense. Yeah. Dude, it, it's cool, man. This year, um, man, I, resolutions, I hate New Year's resolutions because why do you have to pick a time of year to make a decision to do something? So uh, anybody who's thinking of doing something, fucking make the decision. That's what Sacrifice September was about, was making decisions for me. I don't know what it ended up being for you, but, man, find something. Make a decision and just fucking execute. Even if it's a short term to see where you want to go, even if it's an exploratory goal. Find something, brother, because you, you got a lot of fucking work ethic in you and skill. So oh, I appreciate that. I hope that's true. I hope I live up to those things. 
Um, dude, yeah, yeah. You've heard what your friends say about you, Justin. What's your goals for this year? What's your goals for the upcoming time frame? We ain't gonna put the time. Uh, well, jump again. Jump again. Yeah, that's definitely number one. And getting through rehab. Uh, it's it should be <laughs> when you oh, say rehab physical like that, therapy. It like you have a cocaine problem. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, next year you're gonna do a team at all. Um, probably so. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. It depends on who it is and all that good stuff. But yeah. Hey, Nick, next year, if Valerie and I put together a Texas 20-way team, would you take the weekend off and join us? Am I shooting video or am I in the in the formation? Preferably in the formation. Because, oh, God. <laughs> maybe. Let's so, a solid maybe. So I'm, I'm very big on being kind of a snot about this team. And I'm not trying to put ringers together. I'm not trying to put winners together. I'm putting our friends together. Now, fortunately, a lot of our friends skydive a lot, so that's going to help. But I don't care about fucking winning one bit, man. We, we can come in last place, and I'll be extremely happy if I can get Justin to join the team, if I can get you to join the team. Raul might be doing a Latin Mafia thing. If he isn't, he's going to join the team. That's the kind of fucking people I'm bringing into this. So uh, That'd be awesome. Yeah, please consider it. Um, I can't promise Val and I are really doing this. We are talking about it. So much going on in the sport in our lives. I, I just... Just don't know how it's going to work otherwise. So I will echo that sentiment. Perfect. With, man. Yeah, let's talk about it. Cool. I got some <laughs> shit going on. I got some shit going on. So next weekend, we got Jimmy Wynn. Next week, uh, Thursday night, we'll be back. Mr. Jimmy Wynn, who uh, went from trying out for the world record, uh, vertical world record, to actually getting called up off the bench during the world record head down attempt. So he's going to be joining us. I got a couple other people I'm talking to. A rabbit will be joining us again. It's been a while since we have rabbit back. Probably November. Um, Hank has been almost a year since we've last seen him. Eight, eight, nine months actually. So Hank will be coming back. But those are probably over the next two or three months. Um, Till then, guys and gals, we're gonna go home. We're gonna turn into pumpkins. Justin's gonna hit the play button. See, I didn't make that one. You didn't make that one. <laughs> Motherfucking <laughs> goddamn Braden Smith did. Guys and gals, Gravity Lab Radio, Blue Skies. Enjoy your Jersey boys. Yeah. Ah. Whoop.